Hi, friends. Welcome back to Have You Met Her, a podcast about amazing women. I'm Paige, and I've been digging into the lives of lesser-known women in history and then sharing some of their stories with you. We're talking about women who took to the air this month, women whose adventurous spirits wouldn't allow them to stay earthbound. In today's episode, I'm going to tell you about the flying flapper of Freeport. The youngest licensed pilot in the world, she began flying lessons at age 10, knowing in her young heart that she belonged in the air. Buckle up and put your tray tables in an upright and locked position to learn about this fearless flyer in episode 34. Have you met Eleanor Smith? Eleanor had been brought up to think that anyone could do anything he or she put his or her mind to, so she was shocked to learn that the world had stereotypes it didn't want tampered with. In an age when girls are supposed to be seen and not heard, look beautiful, and occasionally faint, Eleanor didn't seem to fit in anywhere. Until she found her place. Eleanor was six years old in 1918 when she and her family drove by a sign that said, Airplane Rides $5. The sign was next to a potato patch near Hicksville, New Jersey, near a farmer pusher plane. Farm and pushers were biplanes from France made of canvas, wood, and varnish. The pilot offering the rides Louis Gabur was French and delightedly put the $5 in his pocket as Eleanor and her younger brother scrambled into the plane. Eleanor remembered her father tying her blonde braids together to keep them from blowing around during the flight, buckling her brother and Eleanor in the same seatbelt, and then waving as they took off. This first flight was magical. Eleanor talks about this first flight in her autobiography, quoting her memory, What I cannot forget was the view. It was totally unobstructed, and its beauty was breathtaking. Shafts of sunlight streamed down through broken clouds, turning the drab truck farms below into a fairyland of gilded greens and golds. Constantly changing cloud patterns were seemingly painted on a vast blue canvas by an unseen artist who directed the wind to airbrush his designs. I wanted never to leave and begged to go up again as soon as we landed. Gaubert looked over at father and smiled. He gunned the engine and the ground dropped away once more. The second flight was even better than the first. He climbed higher and took us further. Eleanor knew before they'd even landed that she was born to fly. It was as inevitable as the freckles on her nose. One ride led to another. The Smith children became Monsieur Gabert's best customers that summer, and he credited them with his successful season. Seeing two children delight in his plane rides reassured many others to also pay to fly. During one of their flights, the pilot placed Eleanor's six-year-old hands on the controls of the airplane. When they landed, he told Eleanor's father that she had a natural touch and predicted that she would fly with the Great Ones someday. 
Her father was so excited that he repeated this prediction to Eleanor's mother. Mrs. Smith said, Hmm, that's nice, but how am I going to get these awful grease spots out of her new pink dress? Eleanor grew up in Freeport, Long Island. Her mother had been a professional singer before she was married, and Eleanor's father was a star of the Orpheum Circuit, who also wrote his own material for his vaudeville act. With parents who were performers, it made sense to me that Eleanor would be raised to follow her dreams, and also that those dreams would be done with a good amount of flair. When Eleanor turned 10, her parents were able to secure her flying lessons with the famous barnstormer at the time, Clyde Pangborn. But first, they had to figure out how to help Eleanor reach the pedals and see out the window. Wooden blocks were tied to her feet, and she was propped up in the seat with pillows. She spent time in the air with Mr. Pangborn, a Mr. Frederick Melvin Lund, who was the pilot who had flown Mr. Smith for vaudeville, and Bert Acosta, Each noticed her natural talent, and each gave her tips and passed on their experience to her. Eleanor's parents believed in allowing her to explore as many different things as she could. Along with her flying lessons, Eleanor took French, horseback riding, piano, tap, and ballet. Grades were also important to her parents, though, and they made it clear that if her grades dropped, those lessons would end. When Eleanor turned 15, her father bought a plane, a silver and blue Waco 9, which was a three-seat biplane with an open cockpit. At the time, this plane cost about $2,500. The plane wasn't for Eleanor alone, though. Her father was also interested in learning how to fly. He hired Edward Red Devereaux as a pilot and an instructor for his daughter and himself. While Mr. Smith was supportive of his daughter's love of flying, He had a strict rule with no wiggle room. Eleanor was not allowed to take off or land the plane. Once the plane was airborne, she could take control. When it was time to descend, Eleanor was to turn the controls over to the experienced pilot. This role was important to Eleanor's father. He was concerned for her safety and knew that most accidents occurred during these two periods of time. Eleanor complied originally. However, it bothered her when she thought about these gaps in her training. She was a capable flyer, and the thought of having to wait until she was 18 years old to fly solo, after all, you couldn't fly solo if you weren't allowed to take off or land, made her sick. She wanted it so badly, so she decided to ask her mother. Eleanor's mother thought about the request from her daughter. And then, while her father was out of town for business, she finally agreed. Eleanor was thrilled. Her mother explained that she hadn't realized how important this step was to Eleanor and that she'd never gotten over her own mother's dismissal of her love of singing. Mother and daughter decided to reach out and contact well-known and respected pilot Russ Holderman who decided to spend 10 days with Eleanor, giving her intense instruction while her father was out of town. Eleanor was a natural, but he also wanted to make sure that she wasn't overconfident. Mistakes happen when you get too cocky, so he made sure to always show her who was actually in charge. 
He also taught her quick thinking, problem solving, and how to handle unforeseen issues. Once Pilot Holderman was satisfied, he startled Eleanor one day by climbing out of the front cockpit, patting her on the head, and shouting over the motor, Take her around. She's all yours. With permission, Eleanor's nerves started. A tiny voice in her head grew louder, and she started to doubt that she was ready. Eleanor shook her head and realized it was now or never. She thought about her training and felt the earth drop away. She was airborne. In that instant, she knew she was home and would never turn back. Eleanor decided to try and rack up 250 hours of flying time in the next three months by the time she turned 16. She was focused to the point of obsession, and now that she could fly by herself, it was difficult to get her out of the plane. She had decided that she wanted to practice her way out of being a student and had set a goal of becoming a professional pilot. Eleanor had gone back to taking lessons from Red Devereaux, who made it his goal to support Eleanor's dreams. Eleanor talks about her training in her book, saying, I learned more about forced landings than I would ever need to know. He taught me how to fly from beaches, roadways, ballparks, and racetracks. Right side up, upside down, crosswinds, tailwinds, or no winds. I learned how to handle everything, from a fire on board to an ice buildup on the wings, how to orient myself when the ground was obliterated in fog by finding a thin space and burning a trail in it with my engine heat, what to do if swept out to sea, how to land on water with a land plane and on turf with a seaplane. He omitted nothing and tested me constantly to make sure I retained it. Fellow flyers and pilots that hung around the hangar where the Smith's plane was homed were talking, and word spread about the girl pilot with chops. Because so many pilots had been invested and involved in training Eleanor, word did get around, and finally, it was arranged for her to get a Federation Aeronautic International, or FAI, license. Her final license was approved by Orville Wright himself. Eleanor was 16 years old and officially the youngest U.S. government licensed pilot on record. Eleanor may have been a licensed pilot, but if she thought that having that piece of paper would garner respect from the flyers, stunt pilots, and barnstormers that shared hangar space with her, she was sorely mistaken. The pilots often teased and ridiculed Eleanor, which is kind of disgusting since they were all grown men and she was a 16-year-old girl but she was usually able to handle it all right. Until one stunt pilot, obviously jealous of Eleanor's natural talent and hard work, took the ridicule a step further and dared Eleanor to fly under one of New York East River bridges, a true test of ability. No one had ever done this before, but Eleanor dug in her heels. She would later say, Flying under any of the East River bridges and a land plane was no light-hearted pleasure hop. It was a slick piece of flying, requiring expert piloting and technical knowledge. I'd painted myself into a corner. 
I could have easily proven my point that I was an accomplished pilot by flying under just one bridge, and that would have been the end of it. But that wasn't my style. Instead, I had brashly committed myself to flying under all four of the bridges. She may have accepted the dare out of a stubborn whim, but there was no way that she would miscalculate how dangerous her attempts would be. She carefully prepared for the series of flights by studying tides, measuring and calculating her routes, and preparing like she was preparing for an Olympic event. The only skill lacking in her training was a dry run of the actual flights. She couldn't practice the flights because there was too much traffic around the bridges and way too many regulations. You see, flying under the bridges was illegal. On Sunday, October 21st, 1928, the now 17-year-old Eleanor boarded her Waco plane and smiled at the near-perfect weather conditions. She was visualizing and mentally running through her plan when someone jumped up on the wing step of the Waco and shook her shoulder. Eleanor couldn't believe her eyes. It was her hero, Charles Lindbergh. He smiled at her surprise and said, Good luck, kid. Keep your nose down in the turns. Knowing that Lindy himself was aware of her plan and was rooting for her was just the push that she needed. Charles Lindbergh wasn't the only person outside of the hangar pilots and her family who had heard about Eleanor's attempts that morning. Four bridges meant that there were four times the room for spectators, reporters, and photographers to line up and watch. Eleanor flew under the Creensboro Bridge, just feet above the river, and took a deep breath before she continued on to the Williamsburg Bridge. She was wearing her battered red leather jacket so that she was easy to see and it would be obvious that she was the one doing the flying. She waved at the spectators, feeling halfway relieved because she was halfway done with the challenge. Eleanor's focus was on point when she swooped under the Manhattan Bridge and turned all of her attention to the final Brooklyn Bridge. There was a problem. A tanker and a Navy ship were passing under the bridge. It would be a tight fit at best, but Eleanor just couldn't give up. She was so close. She ended up turning her plane sideways and fit perfectly under the bridge and between the ships. From Eleanor's recollection, I reversed the rudder and slammed the throttle open so hard the little knob almost flew off. Roaring down New York's lower bay, I headed straight for the Statue of Liberty. She didn't bat an eyelash as I flew past her nose and pulled up into a steep climbing turn. Looking back, I could see jets of steam rising as the boats in the harbor blew their whistles in salute. I dove down, circled the Lady of the Harbor once more, and streaked for home. She arrived back at the hangar to a huge crowd of celebrations. Even the original challenger immaturely congratulated her on her luck. Eleanor pretended to polish her fingernails on her sleeve and then blew on them in boredom, saying, Care to see it done again? Upside down? Sideways? Or in the other direction? She was a celebrity, and thanks to all the news coverage, everyone was talking about her flight. 
but something was gnawing at Eleanor, even amidst everyone else's celebration. What consequences would come from the Department of Commerce? They had the authority to revoke her license and ground her for life. She got the first glimpse of her future when she received a telegram, a summons to a hearing in the office of the mayor of New York City, James Walker. On the day of the hearing, Eleanor and her father arrived at City Hall. Eleanor had worked herself up in a knot waiting for this meeting and, in her 17-year-old mind, was practically ready to throw herself on the ground, turn herself in for her life sentence of hard labor. Fortunately, it didn't come to that. When the mayor looked at Eleanor and realized that she was the careless daredevil that they were supposed to chastise publicly, he couldn't believe his eyes. After asking Eleanor a few questions about her flight, Mayor Walker came to a conclusion, saying, You know, of course, that we do have to take some action here. Still, I admire your father for giving you the freedom to learn to fly and make your own decisions, even if this wasn't a particularly wise one. For the time being, we will issue a statement saying that you have been grounded by the City of New York for a 10-day period. Agreed? Eleanor nodded her head in disbelief. The mayor said that he would handle the Department of Commerce and asked that she promise not to try something like that again. Eleanor couldn't believe her luck. And the Department of Commerce did send Eleanor a letter of reprimand. A personal note from the Chief Inspector Secretary was included with the letter, asking for Eleanor's autograph by return letter. Eleanor's flying career took off from there. She set many records, including solo endurance flights, speed records, altitude records, and when she was just 18, she became the first female executive pilot. She stunted for movies, air shows, and fundraisers, especially during the Great Depression. In 1933, Eleanor found that there was something that she loved even more than flying. New York State Legislature and attorney named Patrick Sullivan, who she married, and the four children that they had together. She spent 20 years being a doting mother and a supportive wife. In 1956, following her husband's death and with time on her hands since her children were sufficiently grown and out on their own, Eleanor re-entered aviation in another interesting way via the United States Air Force. She worked as a test pilot, even having the opportunity to fly NASA's Challenger Vertical Motion Simulator at the Ames Research Center. This was an honor, but her favorite part of this assignment was that the entire support crew was made up of females. The instructor, operator, and assistant were all women. Eleanor passed away in 2010 at 99 years old. She had lived a full life of adventure, love, and a fair bit of moxie. She had been born to fly, but she also opened doors to future generations of female aviators. Learning about Eleanor Smith was fascinating. We've all heard of Amelia Earhart and even Bessie Coleman, 
also amazing adventurous women. So I was surprised to learn of all the firsts that Eleanor championed. She was named the best female pilot in 1930, and in 1934, Eleanor became the first woman to appear on a Wheaties cereal box. While I wouldn't always suggest taking on dangerous bets as a way to show your bravery and skill, I'm built somewhat like Eleanor in the fact that when someone doesn't think I can do something, I like to double or triple down. She was such a wonderful mix of confidence, foolishness, and maybe, just a little, luck. To research this episode this week, I read the chapter about Eleanor Smith from Women Who Dared, 52 Stories of Fearless Daredevils, Adventurers, and Rebels by Linda Skears. And I read the autobiography Aviatrix by Eleanor Smith from 1981. I also read the article The Amazing Aviatrix Eleanor Smith from the website womenpilot.com. Please take a minute to rate and review the podcast. I'm proud of these episodes and would love to share the podcast with people who might enjoy it. Ratings and reviews are a free, easy way that you can help me with that. Please continue sharing this podcast with your friends. If you have an idea for a theme that you'd like to explore with me or a specific woman that you want to make sure is included on my list, please email me at haveyoumetherpodcast at gmail.com. Check out our Instagram page at Have You Met Her Podcast to see some images of Eleanor Smith. You can also look at the pictures of all the women that we've learned about so far. I think that it really adds depth to learning about the women when you can see their faces and pictures of their adventures. I always share who our amazing woman will be early on Instagram, so follow us there for that insider scoop. Please don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform that you're using so that you never miss an episode. I'll see you next week when we'll wrap up our episodes about women who took to the air. Bye.